Welcome to Broads, Books, and Booze. This is your host, Jamie. And Monica. Hello, hello. Hello, friends. Yay. And we're back this month with our next installment of Big to Movie with Dan Brown's The Da Vinci Code. I was excited about this one. Yeah, I read the book when it first came out. It feels like a billion years ago. <laughs> it's more recent than I thought because I do remember when it came out, there was kind of like a stir and a controversy and it was a very, for whatever reason, I didn't read it at the time, but I felt like a lot longer ago than it really was. I think mm. it's that. Time is meaningless. Yeah, <laughs> that's what it is. <laughs> so uh, you saw the book on display at the library? Yes, the library had a book to movie display and I didn't realize that it's a series of five books. So I have since read them all, and I was super excited because the library, the first two books, um, are the illustrated edition. Oh. So every time he talks about a work of art in the book or like, like a building or something, there's a picture of it in the book. It was so fun. I loved that. That is really awesome. Yeah. I will have to check that out after mm -hmm. uh, we're done. I did, uh, I read the book and I listened to the book. I used to own the book, but I think I donated it in one of my mini purges. Yeah. I had not expected to read it again. Yeah. So it was fun reading it a second time. Although I have a, a lot of different feeling towards Robert Landon. Mm. This time than I did the first time, I'm more of like... I'm excited to talk about that because I think I know what you're talking about. <laughs> but my answer may surprise you. <laughs> All right. So I found some uh, discussion questions from reading group guides they have an online community readinggroupguides.com and the first question is as a symbologist Robert Landon has a wealth of academic knowledge that helps him view the world in a unique way now that you've read the Da Vinci Code are there any aspects of life history faith that you're seeing in a different light well, I would just like to say that his character's occupation is a lot like um, like Indiana Jones that I saw when I was younger. I was like, I want to be an archaeologist. Like, <laughs> he has the coolest job. Right? <laughs> and, and I do think that I do notice symbols, of course, not as like, I don't have an eidetic memory or whatever it's called like this character does and I haven't studied them or anything but I think that symbols and stuff are very interesting because I'm like a, an art loving type of person I think I do tend to notice those things maybe oh yeah. cool I, I like symbols I think they're fun I, I liked all the decrypting games that they played I thought that was fun because mm -hmm. you know I'm just nerdy like that I don't notice symbols everywhere like they do, though. I was like, oh, oh, interesting. I never <laughs> saw that before. <laughs> so the second question is, oh, so are there any aspects of life, history, faith that I see differently? I, I think that as far as history goes, symbols have met a lot more in the past than what they do now. And so I do find it interesting to see these repeated symbol symbolism that have, you know, made its way through Western culture again and again and again. Well, and I think it's most interesting to see how 
certain symbols have been demonized, like the swastika, you know, was demonized, which originally was like a, a good symbol that was corrupted. And so it's interesting to see the motivations behind and like how insidious certain groups and leaders are in changing beliefs through symbols. Symbols are very powerful, so. Right. They yeah. can be, yeah. Yeah. Says Landon and T. Bean disagree as to whether the Sangreal document should be released to the world. If you were the Grandmaster of the Priory of Sion, would you release the documents? If so, what do you think their effect would be? That's a tough question because, you know, I think it would be so interesting to be able to, like, read those documents and, like, to study them and to learn from them. But then again, there's this question of, like, as a society, is this going to... You know what? This is my stance on it. You can't make judgment calls on things like that. Always go with the truth. And if you have truth, you should put it out there. Uh, yeah, I don't disagree with that. I think that keeping them hidden mm -hmm. only helps to serve the church's... Um, right agenda yeah like the cover-up or whatever right yeah uh, and whatever motivations are behind a cover-up i mean i think you're always going to have i mean i think we have to give ourselves more credit for, for human beings to like do smart and good things and maybe if we do that maybe we'll start doing that a little more <laughs> we can hope so we can hope so what do you think the effect would be if if these documents were real and well, they were released? I imagined them being the genealogy, right? The de genealogy of all the um, descendants of Jesus. And I think, <clears throat> to me, it wouldn't have that huge of an effect on me because I wasn't raised going to church. I would guess I was just basically raised agnostic. And I had a class in college where the teacher of the class was actually speaking of Jesus as if he were a man that walked the earth and, like, his parents and what his job was. And it just, like, blew my mind. Like, it never even occurred to me that this was, like, a real human being. So, yeah, I mean, obviously, probably he did have kids, you know? <laughs> right. I mean, especially back then, you couldn't just go to Planned Parenthood and get on the pill, <laughs> you know? <laughs> So, I mean, so knowing it and having that out as public knowledge, I mean, I think you would want to protect people's privacy who might be on the list, but to know that, like, that was something that happened and to keep that detailed amount of records for all that many years is, like, n impossible. Like, I don't know how that could ever happen, but... So, I read a book that... Uh, blew my mind and it talks about genetics and genealogy and it's like my ancestors are your ancestors if you go far back enough in time we're all related to the same people there's not enough people in history that have existed on the planet for us to have different ancestors so if this were true we're all related nice to christ so super interesting yeah so i feel like it would take away some of that mysticism to mm. know that you know like genetically yeah we're all descendants like well not, maybe those specific genes haven't been passed down but 
genealogically, we're all relatives and we're all descendants of Christ. Because any famous person in history, if you go back far enough, we're all related to them. Wild. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that it's a, something like it's not even that long ago that they they've done the math on it. Oh, that we're all related to one person from, you know, it's oh. not even like that long ago, like maybe two thousand years. Wow, it might be him. It maybe might, it might be right. <laughs> yeah, it was like that boat just blew my mind. It was so good. Um, it was written by a guy whose name I can't pronounce. Otherwise, I would tell you, but I'm pretty sure the name of it was Origins, but. Hmm. Maybe not. I'll have to look it up. But it it was it was really yeah. Maybe put it in the notes if you find it. Yeah. Maybe I'll check it out. Okay. So, question three: What observations does this novel make about our past? How do these ideas relate to our future? Well, I mean, to me, it sounds like everything pretty much in the past, like with the Priory of Scion and all these. Um, secret societies and that sort of thing really kind of reminds me of still the way that we do things where there's like a select few who maybe orchestrate or take advantage of or have the resources to like monopolize something and then there's everybody else who just sort of goes along with what they can so I don't know that's how I saw it I I would say that's very accurate and sadly I think that um, sort of how the future's still playing out right now seems to be yeah but there is something sort of mystical and uh, the romantic notions about these about the these protectors of these knights templar and they're protecting the bloodline of you know mary magdalene's all her children and it's so it was a very um it was a very sweeping and emotional um story of how the past could have happened i thought it was very interesting (laughs) Number four. Other than his fear of being framed for murder, what motivates Landon to follow this perilous quest? Do his motivations change? So this is where, like, the second time I read this, I was like, dude, I mean, seriously, like, you just get swept up in the moment. I was like, I feel like, where are your critical thinking skills, man? (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I think... For a Harvard professor, I expect more. (laughs) I think a lot of it is he's very protective over the... So all of the books in the series have him. He's a bachelor. He doesn't want to get married or have a relationship, but he always has this like really strong female co-lead of the book who he has this desire to protect and not want to leave alone. Um, And so it does kind of ring a little bit sexist, but hang with me here because what I liked about it was they, it always was a strong female lead and um, very capable and actually reciprocated the rescuing. You know, multiple times it wasn't always him just sweeping away and being a rescuer. Um, and I like this idea of, I like the idea of that, of like, I don't think necessarily him wanting to protect is um, is a sexist trait. I think it's more, it's when you talk about like toxic masculinity and masculinity i think it's a masculine trait and i think that this character went about it in a very non-toxic way um so even though at times it might seem a little dated 
in that regard, the more I thought about it, because I really like the character so much. And I'm like, why am I liking him so much if I'm seeing these red flags of this, like, sexism? And I'm like, well, that's because that's not what it is. At least it didn't seem like that to me. I don't know what your thoughts are on it. His motive, they didn't seem that way for me either. It seemed more of like he was seeking the truth. And he was like, oh, hey, this very capable person, mm -hmm. we can do this together. You're definitely an asset to help me get to the, the information that I want. Yeah. I, I was a little surprised at how quickly he accepted and trusted Sophie. Yeah. And I was a little, like, like skeptical about him. Just like, oh, we're just going to flee from the police. No problem. At that point, I was like, dude, seriously. Really? We're just going to... We're like, ah, we're out of here. But they both were in positions of authority in the French system, which he probably wasn't familiar with. And this other officer had bugged his jacket. Right. So I can kind of see why he would be more likely to trust her. But, yeah, with us being like, we don't want to be in trouble. Like, I can't imagine going on a, like, being chased by the, by by the, the entire French police. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, all the way. No, I can't imagine that. My, my face on TV. I'd be like, I'm here. This is where I am. Come pick me up. Please, no. Don't chase me. Yeah. I was just like, no, 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 no. Right. No, I'm like, I don't get it. Sorry. I'm so sorry. I was really disappointed how much they trusted T. Teabing as well. I was like, oh, man. Yeah. Okay, so. The novel's quest involves numerous puzzles and codes. Did you enjoy trying to solve these puzzles along with the characters? Did you solve any of the puzzles before the characters did? I didn't, did you? I did not solve any of them before no. them. But what I was really pleased about is, and I think this is true in real life, all of the answers and all of the truths are, like, really simple and, like, they make perfect sense once you know it. Like, I think one, the five-letter word was apple because it was, like, Newton's tomb and it was the orb that was missing. And so when you think oh, of that Newton... that was in the movie, but I thought it was Sophie in the book. Oh, well, I see. Now, I watched the movie last, so was it Sophie in the book? I think it was Sophie in the book. Oh, okay. And it was, it was apple in the movie, and yeah. I was like, hey! <laughs> Mm. Well, that yeah. does make sense because your grandfather, I guess, um, it was his object or whatever. But, right. But again, it was simple. Like, the answer was simple. Yeah, they had spelled it differently because they mm. used the F instead of the PH or whatever. Oh. Yep, you're right. I thought the puzzles were fun. Mm -hmm. I thought it was one of the funnest parts of the whole book. Yeah. Very fast-paced the chapters and the action and everything, it was a fun book. It moved really fast. If you could spend a day in any of the places described in the novel, where would it be and why? The Louvre, Westminster Abbey, Rosslyn Chapel, the Temple Church, somewhere else? Oh, I would go to the... I've been to the Louvre. I was in high school. Um, I would love to go back and as, as an adult and get to appreciate all of that art same i went to the louvre with my dad mm -hmm. who is sort of like a been here done it check it let's move on kind of person mm -hmm. so i would like to go back and just sort of walk around explore more like we saw all like the highlights yeah and then like the mona lisa is sort of, like a lot smaller than i thought it would be yeah we saw the mostly the mona lisa and then like uh the venus de milo or something like that we went down the antique greek sculptures and 
like maybe a couple other places and then we were out of there mm. so I was, yeah I love art museums I find them fascinating so number seven Historian Lee Teebling claims to be the founding fathers of Christianity hijacked the good name of Jesus for political reasons. Do you agree? Does the historical evidence support Teebling's claim? I mean, I am no expert, but I mean, I'm going to not surprise anybody here and say I think that a lot of religion in all countries and in all religions i'll say this not just with christianity is used as a purpose to control society in a certain way and and people and um follow the money (laughs) i would have to like i would have to i would have to learn a lot more and go down a rabbit hole that i don't really have time to go down to like have any kind of educated reason to tell you why Right, historical evidence. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it's pretty commonly well known that there were other books of the Bible that aren't included. And so who made that decision? You know, so there are a lot of questions you can ask not... So I would say it's probably just still a big question that it's possible. Well, so like there was this great um, coming together of church authority and there were bringing up basically like controversies of the time uh different people were teaching different things and so they had the council of nicene the catholic church then wrote a uh this creed of nicene saying this is what we believe this is what we're going to stand by um the these this is what we're going to put in for like documents these are the books that we're gonna you know sanctify and say no this this is the part and then there was other bits that were part of Christianity at the time that they were like, no, we're going to dismiss these parts. Mm-hmm. Like, it was a part of it. It wasn't, like, maybe widely practiced. Maybe it was only, like, certain parts or little cults. But they did go through and they did truncate, uh, like, dogma. They did truncate books that were included in it. So, I mean, like, yeah, you could say there's a lot of controversy. Like, who was this Council of Nicene to be able to make these decisions? Mm-hmm. What sort of education did they have? What sort of what research did they do? What were their motivations? Yeah, it's like, was it politically based? Or was it more, you know, part of the spiritual practice that they made these choices mm-hmm. by? I mean, those are really good questions to mm-hmm. ask. So, I... And I feel like the character... The main character really does, Robert Langdon does a good job of remaining um, intelligent and middle of the road. And he recognizes conspiracy theories for conspiracy theories and usually errs on the side of like logic and provable things, even though he recognizes the possibility of other things too. I just thought he was a pretty open minded kind of character. Yeah, I thought he was a, a great character. Mm-hmm. So, question eight. Has this book changed your ideas about faith, religion, or history in any way? I mean, for me, no. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I didn't I think any. that was probably the source of a lot of the controversy when it came out is, you know, probably felt like it would make people skeptical about the church. But I think, you know, we were having a pretty easy time doing that on our own without the book. <laughs> right. And I do think some people didn't have these sorts of thoughts or... Um, 
critical eye towards things before it became more wildly um, acknowledged. Like the internet has really opened the doorway for that kind of stuff. <laughs> okay, this is an easy one for me. Would you rather live in a world without religion or a world without science? Oh. <laughs> well, I mean, you're a scientist, right. so... Right, yeah. I'm like, uh, oh, and I'm wearing my, my science shirt. Yeah. It's like magic, but real. <laughs> and that's funny. It's That is funny. And But actually, that's a harder question for me to answer, because I know a lot of my answers sound kind of anti-religious, but I'm not anti-religious. I think that that faith is important for human beings. And a lot of human beings look for that magic, and it's important to their happiness and their well-being. So, I don't know. That's a tougher one for me to answer. So, I read a series of books um, about a library that's connected to a whole bunch of worlds. And these librarians go and they search for worlds and gather books to sort of stabilize this network and stabilizing the universe. And it was really interesting when she would travel to worlds that had no science and travel to worlds that had no religion. And I was like, oh, I like, so I've like, I've imagined these in my head already. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, the, the religious ones were definitely more like controlling people based on fear and uh, less like individual freedoms. I can than see the that. science-based ones. Yeah. So. Definitely interesting thought experiments have. Yeah, totally. So chapter or sorry chapter <laughs> question 10 Saunier placed a lot of confidence in Langdon was this confidence well placed what other options might Saunier have had did Saunier make the right decision in separating Sophie from the rest of her family lots of questions that was lots of questions so Saunier is her grandfather who yeah. is the murder victim at the beginning of the book yeah and I feel like he I mean he was supposed to meet Robert Langdon. He was aware of his work and aware, and and they think it alluded to in the book that they were meeting because he was inadvertently getting close to like this grail knowledge, you know, in his book, he didn't even realize that he was. Um, so yeah, I think he did pick Langdon on purpose because of his expertise and then his granddaughter, of course, because he had worked with her from a really young age. Right. Mm -hmm. how, how did you feel about him separating Sophie from her brother? Well, and I, her grandmother? I, I thought it was sad, but I also thought if this is real and if they are, her and her brother are direct descendants from Christ and people are in these, are actively trying to murder them, like it would make sense. To, it's like witness protection, you know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I did buy that plausibly as something that they would do. It made me upset that she wasn't even aware that they were alive. Yeah. You know, people do, people do weird things that they think and they're just trying to help. You know, and it, it's, it's like... When you talk about your kids, it's like, ah, oh, you know, but I meant I had all the best intentions, but then you end up giving them all this trauma. 
<laughs> and it's like, yeah, but my parents did it the opposite way and I had trauma. <laughs> so, you know, you make a decision and you do what you think is best and then... Yeah, I, I, I always tell people I try to give them enough to make them interesting, but still functional. <laughs> <laughs> I'm funny depressed, not <laughs> hospital depressed. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not being insensitive, trust me. <laughs> A lot of experience in this realm. <laughs> uh. So oh, we're about halfway through the questions. You want to talk about our beverages that oh, you prepared? Oh my gosh, yes. Apparently I needed mine. So if I'm getting a little loopy, you'll know why. So they are old fashions and they're made with these yummy orange slices and Maker's Mark, which that's a, is that a bourbon whiskey? I love bourbon whiskey. And then it's got a little bitters and some simple syrup and a splash of water. And it's very... It's not a very hot day today. It's very warming, and I love it. Very good. Yeah, it, it sort of gives like a fall vibe. Oh, I'm so today. ready for fall. Yeah. <laughs> I I am loving this cooler weather. Me too. So question 11. Do you imagine Lagnon should forgive Teabing for his misguided actions? On the other hand, do you think Teabing should forgive Landon for refusing to release the Sangreal documents? He's such an interesting character. He's like the eccentric billionaire on a grail quest, right? Right. Teabing. And um, you do, kind, at least I did anyway, I did kind of resonate with that, um, you know, that urgency to find out the truth and everything. And so actually I did sort of feel sorry for him and I, and I did think that they should be released. So yeah, I'm going to have to go with yeah on that one. <laughs> I thought like threatening his life and all that. I'd be like, eh, I don't, I don't, I don't think I'm gonna forgive you for that. He was very passionate about his beliefs. <laughs> you went a little too far, man. Yeah, I'm not gonna true. support you. But yeah, it, it sort of made me think of like you know if Jeff Bezos decided that he was gonna go on a grail quest or like go to space. Yeah. <laughs> right. like, I'm not going to build my penis rocket ship. I'm going to find the Holy Grail. <laughs> I'm going to let the whole world know. Well, and I, yeah, it was, I think that letting the whole world know part was pretty altruistic for somebody who's being so sneaky. <gasps> yeah, it was like, I think why? that was probably something that he was lying to himself about. It was more of a power trip. Yeah, I was like, I don't, I don't think that that's what you really want. Yeah. yeah. Like, if that was the case, I don't think there would have been all this subterfuge. Exactly. And, like, in having, uh, what is it, Celias is the albino. Yes. Like, him actually murdering people. That right. That wasn't necessary. Right. He didn't have to do that. He did that on purpose. Right. And exploited someone who yeah. was traumatized anyways. Oh, that. Oh, we haven't got to talking about the movie yet. But that was the most disturbing part of the whole movie was the self-flagellation that Silas did and the, um, the... The chain thing, thing the chain on his, on his leg, leg and uh, whipping himself on the back. Yeah. Like, I literally was watching that through my fingers. It was horrible. It made me. It made me gag. Yeah, I was just like, oh my god. I'm like when he like was ripping it out of his skin. Oh. I was like, oh my gosh. I think I'm gonna be sick. Yeah, it was horrible. <clears throat> Twelve. Does the world have a right to know all aspects of its history, or can an argument be made for keeping certain information secret? I'm like, no, no. Yeah. No, we're just gonna 
No. Yeah. <laughs> what is interesting about the way the story is told? How are the episodes of the novel arranged and linked? In your discussion, you might want to identify where the turning points in the action are, where those moments are, and after which everything is different. Did you anticipate them? I don't know what that means. I don't either. I'm sorry. Yeah. I thought that I thought it was an interesting uh, story, very fast-paced. I enjoyed it. Um, it was written in a way that was clear and easy to understand what was the happening. The chapters were very short. Yeah. I um, like short chapters. The characters were uh, very easy to um, understand. Mm -hmm. I didn't feel like any of them were false. Right. Was that? Yeah. What is the novel's theme? What central message or idea are all the other components of the novel together? Oh, I hadn't really thought of that. Um, I mostly just read it for fun. So I haven't really like given it that much of a thought about a theme. Yeah, though... I would I would probably be like uh, looking deeper, like yeah. overthinking. I would totally be like the theme well, is overthinking. <laughs> all of his books have this. Um, uh, it, I think I read a description online that said they're like a treasure hunt, and that really fits with what the story is like. So I think that's the theme is to get to to get to the treasure at the end. You know. For most people, the word God feels holy, while the word goddess may feel myth mystical. What are your thoughts on this? Do you imagine those perceptions will ever change? I hope they'll change. I think, um, I think it has a lot to do with kind of what I talked about before about this toxic masculinity and this masculinity, this whole idea of the sacred feminine and the goddess, like, unless to to progress as a species, we've got to stop letting the pendulum swing to the extremes. You know, right now we're in like this patriarchy, right? And then we get a lot of resistance to it. So then what do we go to where we're swinging to the way opposite end? You know, we have to be more like embodying the good qualities of both of those things. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, that's... That's very well put. And I, when I first thought of this, I thought of the movie Dogma. <laughs> yeah. And at the end, God was this crazy woman who just went around. I remember flowers. that. That yeah. was a great, great yeah. movie. Very, very Gen X movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, God is should totally fit. I'm like, why does it have to be God? Like, yeah, yeah I'm like, why can't we use goddess? But. Okay. <laughs> so last question. Will you look at the artwork of Da Vinci any differently now that you know more about his secret life? You know, I do look at a lot of that artwork differently, even though I know the, the book is fiction. It's still fun. You don't you never know an artist's true inspiration and motivation. And it is fun to try and look at things from a different perspective. Yeah, so I remember looking at the last supper going, there's a woman in this. And then, when I, and then I went, I'm like, oh no, there really was a woman. I'm like, huh. I'm like, when I looked at it, I totally saw a woman too. But I'm like, is that just because I'm reading this book and like my brain is See tricking something? me? Yeah. But I was like, no. <laughs> Pretty sure. I'm like, huh. Who yeah. knew? Interesting. <laughs> like, 
Ah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, movie, best part, favorite part. Um, I think, I, I really like the whole movie. I'm not sure what my favorite part is. Um, I guess it would have to be at the end when he figures it out and he kneels at the... Um, where the two triangles come together at the Louvre and he visits Mary Magdalene. I thought that was pretty emotional and very cool. Yeah, that was, it was, that was. I really don't understand the appeal of Tom Hanks. Like, I just, I don't know. When I read the book, I thought of Robert Langdon as like, I don't know, different than Tom Hanks. I pictured him as exactly Tom Hanks. Like, a really kind of like nerdy professor, but like, able to step up physically because he plays like whatever it was water polo or something right <laughs> at his ivy league university like i thought he was perfectly cast <laughs> like i could totally buy that <laughs> he just seemed too thin for me maybe yeah, yeah. maybe I, I was expecting somebody a little more fuller yeah that's the only word I can come with. Like, I'm like, you just seem so scrawny. Yeah. You seem scrawny. I don't know. I enjoyed the movie. It was a little bit long for me, yeah. but they did away with the brother, which I didn't like. I thought, I thought that that added a whole other layer where the grandma and the grandpa, for the protection of the kids, sacrificed their marriage. They didn't live together. You know, they separated the kids. Like, so for them to just get rid of the brother altogether i felt like it diminished the idea of the book a little bit yeah and the whole weird cult at the end of yeah. the movie i was like they did a better job in the book as explaining why the cult wasn't scary or awful and how it's just the same as whatever your religious rituals might be i felt like the book did a, do a better job of that yeah and i, I liked all the weird uh questions that uh langdon was asking sophie through but did you see anything weird happening with your grandfather like, was there weird sex stuff going on and she's like uh how do you know and he's like oh just uh, just yeah. asking just asking <laughs> yeah <laughs> just curious it was it the the movie was remarkably one of the few movies that stays very close to the book like there was very few differences and like they kept so good in with the theme like the movement of the book i didn't even catch the one you know right right yeah so it, they did a good job of making it work i've heard the other movies aren't as good in that they only did three movies and there's five books Oh, okay. I heard the other two movies aren't as good. I haven't seen Inferno yet. And I do remember seeing Angels and Demons, but it's been a long time. So Yeah, I don't remember at all. Yeah. That mm. one was about the Illuminati, and I'm like, man, we don't want to be that podcast. We're totally <laughs> not talking about the Illuminati. <laughs> oh, put us on a list somewhere. <laughs> this is yeah. a hobby podcast, folks. We don't want to get involved in that. <laughs> Do you have any parting thoughts on the book or the movie? Um, I think just my parting thought is, you know, this is a book that came out a long time ago that I probably wouldn't have read if we hadn't been doing this podcast and if I hadn't seen the display at the library. So, And I found five enjoyable books out of it. So I would say don't always just go for the new release. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. 
Well, thank you everyone for listening. Bye. We will see you again next month.